This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's the Bama Online Podcast. Travis Ryer, senior analyst for BOL for the first time in 2021. Travis Ryer and Tim Watts co-piloting the Bama Online Podcast. First and foremost, Tim Watts, happy new year to you and yours. I'm guessing like everyone else, you're happy to see that calendar flip to 2021. Yeah, I was glad to see it move on along. I mean, the end of the year is a little bit better than the uh, middle of the year, so I'm glad to kick it in his ass and get it moving, though. <laughs> yeah, get this thing moving. Get the ballpark somewhere, please. <laughs> well, we've got a lot to talk about on this edition of the Bama Online Podcast. Oh, just a few things, I guess, Tim. We had a college football playoff semifinal win for the Alabama Crimson Tide. And the talk about weird to say, given where the game was played, the 2021 Rose Bowl contested in Arlington, Texas this time around. There is coaching change afoot with the Alabama staff. We'll get into some Alabama hoops, maybe some NFL talk as well, because the coaching carousel, you just never know with this carousel between college and pro these days. And with the money being what it is, it's all seemingly sort of blurred into one profession. You don't really differentiate anymore between pro football and college football because guys at both levels are making nice chunks of change and with uh, multi-year contracts involved in that as well. But, Tim, let's start with the hottest news of the last few days. Certainly, if you've kept up with us there at BamaOnline.com, you have heard, read, seen the news that Steve Sarkeesian has been hired as the next head football coach at the University of Texas. Uh, In relation to that, we have gone ahead and given you some hot boards when it comes to potential successors to Steve Sarkeesian as the next offensive coordinator will be Nick Saban's eighth offensive coordinator in his going into his 15th season in 2021. Uh, So Tim, what was your initial response anyway, when, when you heard, when you saw that you even probably caught rumblings that this was going to potentially go down and where Alabama is now and where do you expect it to go here in the next few days? You know, it was weird because for the last, Two weeks, you sort of heard rumblings about it or, you know, I had people mention it to me, especially the last week leading up to it. But it was hard to believe what Texas had just released a statement saying that Tom Herman would be their coach. Um, I do. I mean, Steve Sarkeesian, we knew he was wasn't going to be here forever. I mean, the guys did a terrific job. He's a good play caller. You look at every other offensive coordinator, basically under Nick Saban. Uh, is that everybody back from Mac when he got head coaching jobs? So you knew this was going to happen. Uh, at some point, Texas, I didn't really expect Texas to go the coordinator route. Uh, 
don't know the Texas people that well or the, what the Texas people are thinking, but I figured they'd go for a bigger name. But I think it was just time for them to move on from Tom Herman, and they went with Steve Sarkeesian. I'm interested to see how it works because you got a California guy um, who didn't recruit a lot at Alabama, mainly just the quarterbacks. I mean, this isn't a guy that's pretty normal for standard for Alabama's offensive coordinators. They don't recruit a lot. Loxley's probably the one that got out the most, but you didn't really hear their name a lot. So you got a California guy. You know, cut his teeth. You know, last few jobs have been in the in the, in the South, in Atlanta, Tuscaloosa. Now he's going to go to Texas, which is a obviously a big time program, deep pockets, and everything else. But uh, they're expecting him to win probably you know pretty quickly. I mean, he's going to walk into a job where the number one player in the country, Quinn Ewers, a quarterback in the class of 2022, a lifelong. Texas fan is committed to Ohio State after decommitting from Texas. So he's walking into a pressure cooker. So, Do you think part of that, though, is that maybe Texas people think that getting Sark in there now gives them an opportunity to salvage the recruitment of a guy like yours? Is that part of the thought process, you think, Tim? Because recruiting is so important, as we know very well, and certainly recruiting in Texas is I, a is a major thing. I think it played a part. I, I wouldn't want to think that a college chooses, you know, because you mm-hmm. see that every time a head coach leaves. You know, you see a Gus Malzahn leaves. You see a lot of the fans wanted to keep a Kevin Steele to keep the class together. I don't think that the presidents, the ADs, they, they make it for that decision. I do think recruiting overall, they thought Sark would help. And, you know, obviously, if you get the number one player in the country, who's the number one quarterback in the country, uh, it's going to help your class. And uh, to be honest, I mean, the state of Texas has just been raided. Now, Texas is a lot like Georgia and California that the in-state schools, you know, the major in-state school can't just keep all those guys for himself. But uh, so they're going to lose guys. But I mean, Alabama went in there and got, you know, six really good players. I think it was Ohio State's living there paying rent. You know, so they're, they're paying pro- property tax right now. So I think the biggest thing was hiring Sark because you think he can win. And he can put a professional feeling team on the field is what would be my guess. Yeah, and probably part of that thought process with recruiting is what you just said. Alabama has hammered Texas and never more so than this current cycle, the class of 2021. And maybe some of that thought process too, Tim, extends to, well, there are current staff members that Sark works with that have done a good job in the state of Texas recruiting that potentially he could bring along with him. What's the feeling you're getting right now as far as staff members beyond Sark at Alabama and the potential for that sort of scenario? You know, the thing is so hard right now is Alabama still has a game to play. Uh, I don't think there's any, I mean, I don't even think it's a discussion point that Nick Saban's focused on Ohio state, not focused on Mm -hmm. a, Sarkeesian. I imagine Sarkeesian's the same way, focused on the game as well. Um, you look at the past history of Alabama coaches, assistant coaches leaving for head jobs. When you look at Kirby Smart, he took Mel Tucker, but Mel Tucker went from a DB coach to a defensive coordinator. You can't fault him for that. When you look at Jeremy Pruitt or you know any of these other guys, McElwain or uh, Napier, any of these guys that went on to become head coaches, Lane Kiffin, they didn't really take a lot of uh, on the field, I could the only on the field guy I could find was Mel Tucker. Now I might be missing some somebody, but I think it's more about analysts and the guys in the back room. I will say support I, staff. Yeah, I will say I think you know Saban's made it pretty clear where he stands on trying to rate his staff. And at the end of the day, 
I think all these guys respect Nick Saban. Um, I think Steve Sarkees and Nick Saban work well together. Uh, I think they, they kept their, you know, their working space clean. So I wouldn't expect him to try to raid his staff. And let's be honest, Alabama's a pretty good place to work. I mean, you make a lot of money. You deal with a pretty high level of athlete. They have everything that you want. So I wouldn't expect a lot to leave. And those that leave, I think, would probably have Saban's blessings, to be honest. Well, and, and you know, there's a difference. There's, there's making lateral moves uh, if you're an assistant. And as you said, taking promotions, not just from coordinator to head coach, but if you're a positional coach at, at a place and you're offered a coordinator title or maybe an assistant head coach, associate head coach, a sort of lieutenant type title at another power five program, Nick Saban gets that too. You know, I mean, so you know, yeah. it, it is the business and it is part of the business when things are going well. And, uh, you know, I, I guess I could see it from from that. But you said it right now, what Nick Saban's you know, looking for from everyone on the staff, what he doesn't want is a repeat, right, of a couple of years ago when they went out to Santa Clara and were kind of disjointed, it, it seemed, at least from a coaching staff perspective. Yeah, when you look at this, I'll tell you, the uh, the vibe of that, that group in 18 is nothing like the vibe of this group. I mean, that group in 18, you knew half up had a foot out the door. There was a million rumors. Heading into this, we haven't heard of a bunch of assistants probably – uh, possibly leaving or want to leave that 18 group had a lot of self promoters. They had a lot of guys that felt they were better than they were, you know, where the hell's Dan, you know, you had all these guys doing crazy stuff. So I don't get to feel it all with this class. And if you watch this, the, not this class, this group of coaches, if you've watched them on the field and heard about them, they've all, they all seem to get along great. So I don't think there's a lot of animosity there and, and everything else. So I, I would have expected this to be completely focused. Last time you could sense the un, the unfocused nature, you know, even going into the, the Oklahoma game that year, you heard rumors and rumblings and saw things you didn't like. So but I expect this group, regardless of the outcome, I think Alabama will be prepared. It's one thing they have did all year that they've been fantastic about in a year, the hardest year that I can remember to be mentally prepared they have been mentally prepared for every game. As much as some fans like to gripe, you're looking at basically, you know, just 13 wins, all by double digits except except Florida, and they scored late to cut it to that. But you got 13 basically double-digit wins. So this is definitely a team that's focused, and that wasn't an easy schedule. Alabama made it look a lot easier than it was. So I expect them to be focused. You know what else should help, Tim, is that where the offense is concerned especially – this is a veteran group, fourth-year junior at quarterback, senior in Najee Harris, senior in Devontae Smith, uh, veteran offensive line. So uh, they're not going to be they're not going to be uh, caught off guard by anything at this point. And they all know they're playing for something that tr- truly has never been done in a conference-only season to go undefeated. Um, you know, to really put their imprint as guys. A lot of these guys. This is it for them, Tim. This is it for Devontae Smith, Najee Harris. Even if there was a little bit of a difference in the approach, maybe, which I don't anticipate from Steve Sarkeesian, I think there's enough of a veteran presence on that side of the ball that they can they can cover for it better than a couple years ago because that was still a pretty young offense. Even though it was wildly talented, that wasn't a veteran offense. Absolutely. Don't forget, there's guys that came back to college – Right. For this moment, you know, I was told early on in the season, 
things that played a factor in Najee and uh, Devonta and, and, and uh, Leatherwood and some of those was coming back to revenge the LSU game, revenge the Auburn game, win the SEC championship and the national championship game. So I don't think guys like that get here and, and, and the last 10 days lose their focus. I think no matter what, I think this Alabama team has been a great and fun team to watch. And uh, I've enjoyed them. You know, they've made this uh, this situation in the world a lot easier. I mean, it's been fun. So what would you say to Alabama fans who, as we know and appreciate, wildly interested in Steve Sarkeesian's eventual successor, if you were to attempt to offer at least a time frame uh, based on what we've seen in the past and knowing what Alabama still has on the table one week from tonight down in South Florida, uh, what's the word or words you would use to uh, address those folks who are uh, very much anticipating that next uh, coordinator? I would tell you this on the timeline. Nick Saban moves at his own pace, and unless – it's pressing, which is not. He takes his time. He's. We said this. You know, we went through this with the strength and conditioning coaches. We went through this. What's going to happen? He was vetting people. He was interviewing people, and he knocked a home. He, he hit a home run. I mean, he's going to get it right. There's not a rush. They've got 25. They've got everybody in their class except Kamar Wheaton signed. They've only got one or two major targets left. So he doesn't have to have an offensive coordinator. In fact, the major targets left are defensive defensive guys. So he's going to move at his own pace, and this guy can come from anywhere. I mean, when you look at Steve Sarkeesian, Jim McElwain, Nussmeyer, when you bounce these guys around Lane, Loxley, they can come from anywhere. They can come in the back room, uh, which is getting less and less likely. Bill O'Brien is on campus, has been hanging out with the football coaches, which, you know, some big names always seem to pop up every year. So he can do anything because this job is going to be highly coveted. I mean, I, I get – Alabama's losing basically a whole offense. There's no doubt about it. They're losing so much talent. But behind them is so much talent. I mean, the 2019 recruiting class is fantastic. The 2020 recruiting class is fantastic. There's a lot to work with uh, at every position. They're going to have guys at every position. So there's going to be uh, a lot of offensive coordinators lining up and showing interest. But I know his focus is going to be on this game. And then I think that they'll they'll drift into that. But then again, it's Nick Saban. He can date somebody while we're doing this podcast, you know? No, there's no doubt. And we've said it before. Just when you think Nick Saban's going to zig, he'll zag. And that has to do with maybe a candidate with a time frame. Uh, it, it's very much Saban time when it and, comes to And there's, you know, you've got the NFL coaches getting fired. So there's yeah. gonna be more, more staff available. Um and also the one position, the one position since Nick Saban's been here that's always been hard to predict for us hasn't been the offensive coordinator. The defensive side of the ball, and it's going to get easier down the road, but the defensive side of the ball, you've always been able to connect a defensive coordinator to Nick Saban. You've always been able to find a guy. I mean, whether it was guys that got it or didn't get it, there was always connections. Offensively, he could go anywhere. I mean, yeah. he could come back to Canadian Football League coach for all we know. Yeah, I went with Jim McElwain out of Fresno State. You know, I mean, it's – I would it's, uh, he's going to get somebody good that fits what he wants to do. So that much I'm pretty confident about. Well, and he said it in the past. You know, regardless of who the hire is, it's still going to be the Alabama offense. Now, obviously Saban is very much open to fresh ideas, fresh concepts, because we've seen it in what Alabama's put on the field. 
a lot of that has had to do with the fitting around the talent. But in other words, maximizing the personnel. That's what Nick Saban understands. That's why Nick Saban has uh, five national championships, six overall, why he's playing for a sixth and a seventh uh, a week from Monday night. So he, he's not looking to just sort of go with the, the rubber stamp candidate that fits what they've even done here most recently. He's open to guys that bring some different thoughts and ideas because, uh, you know, as much as, say, seven or eight years ago, he wasn't enamored with where offensive football was going. He made that famous statement, is this what we want football to be? Since he made that statement, Alabama has won three more national championships. Yeah. So he's managed to stay ahead of the curb. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. He'll be fine. They'll uh, they'll find some guys. You know, again, I think the focus is Ohio State as it should be, and uh, I think everybody's before, looking to that be- game. Before we move to that, one more thing in terms of the ideal candidate, and you, you've dealt with coaches. I've dealt with coaches, and with Saban again, I think media fans get so caught up in schemes and uh, individuals philosophies on style of play and things like that. How important is the who, the person, and how they're going to meld into the existing chemistry, Tim? And and more so, more importantly, you know, the type of relationships they're going to build with the players. We can talk about the coordinator part of this, but who's going to deal with Bryce Young? Maybe Mac Jones if he comes back. That quarterback room, uh what have you seen in the past in terms of uh, maybe the who of the person more important even than the what that they bring? Yeah, I think the last three guys, when you look at Lane and Loxley and um, Sarkeesian, focusing on those guys, they all have that sort of uncle vibe to them. You know, they've got that, you know, the kids relate to them. They've got that big brother. Lane's got that crazy nephew that shows up at Christmas and tears all your crap up and you know, they've all got that vibe that the kids like. I think the biggest thing for Saban is is going to be, you know, after Kiffin, there was a lot of distractions, especially the last year where, you know, Kiffin was doing his thing and, and and having fun. But I think when you look at Loxley, we never really heard a peep out of Loxley or Sarkeesian. So I think he's looking for somebody, like you said, that comes in and fits and brings ideas to the table. But it's got to fit into what he wants to do. I mean, he's recruited – several years to get what you know around his philosophy so he's going to have the guys in place you just need somebody to run it yeah it's uh you know we can talk about how much it's changed and and how successful alabama's been with three wide receiver sets on offense but you're still seeing two tight end sets too so those are some sort of fundamental aspects of the offense that as long as nick saban is the head coach you're going to still see uh he likes the diversity man and he's able to recruit at a level at which he can employ multiple type of approaches within uh, one scheme and and make it work. Hey, Tim, uh, on the heels of Alabama 31, Notre Dame 14, wanted to get a couple of your quick thoughts on that performance in Arlington, Texas, before we start to look ahead to the Ohio State Buckeyes. One week from tonight, we've got the Heisman Trophy coming up on Tuesday evening virtually. Devontae Smith, Mac Jones, Expected in all likelihood to be one, two in some order there. Uh, but what did you think uh, about Alabama's uh, performance against the Irish out there in the Lone Star State? You know, I really felt that at some point, a little bit late in the second uh, quarter, that Alabama just felt they were going to win this game and they let the air out. I mean, we saw a drive that took 
like six minutes and went 12 yards from Alabama, which I don't, I don't think I've ever seen. That drive to end the half was not uh, – it was very time-consuming, but you could see them intentionally letting the air out. And yeah. I think when you know – and I know fans want to score 50 and 60 and 70 and keep the gas – you know, keep the pedal on the gas and all that. But I saw that – when we saw Tyrone Pro throw injured in that same type of situations where Alabama's fans were turned around and were like, why is he in the game? Why are we going deep? So I think the biggest thing is – and I've said it all year is win in advance, and they won – convincing brian kelly's delusional he never had a chance the <laughs> minute josh job hit the guy on the opening kickoff the game was over and he that was a blow yeah. that was a, that game it just felt totally different from that vibe you know it was 14 to nothing it was 14 7 it's 21 to 7 and they just cruised through so i think alabama did what they had to do to advance don't forget they had an injury in the last five minutes uh, the SEC championship game with Landon Dickerson. So it's not you're not necessarily safe. And I know I've had people say, well, they didn't bench the starters, but they limited the number of plays considerably that they ran. So the less plays, less chance of injury. So I don't think there's a whole lot. You know, Smitty landed on his hip, a little bit dinged up. So um, you just want to get through that game. I thought it was about what we expected. I think Alabama probably could have put a couple more scores on the board. Uh, that late touchdown and that late timeout. Saban looked a little pissed, didn't he, to call that timeout and try to score? Did you notice that? Oh, yeah, a little bit. He, a little, I, he didn't didn't I like the Notre Dame timeouts. I know he sent a blitzer up the middle on that last. Brought play. the safeties. Yeah, yeah, brought the safeties late against that. You know, bit, you know, every game's different. Every game's different. That's the bottom line. You know, you you try to compare Notre Dame to Florida. Well, it's an entirely different game. You know, Alabama went hurry up in the last minute and a half of the first half against Florida because they knew they had to maximize every possession for points in a game like that with that Florida offense on the other side. With Notre Dame, if you're up 21-7 to late in the first half and you're getting the ball to start the third quarter, you know, you're know you working on just getting, getting to the half because, again, Notre Dame, if Notre Dame's down 14 to a team like Alabama, it might as well be 28. Right. I mean, based on how they go about their business offensively. Plus, you know, you've got the possession coming out to start the third quarter. So you're not going to be in a hurry there. No two games are the same. And, and I mean, we, we tried to preview Notre Dame in a way in which it was very clear that this was going to be a 180 from Florida. Yeah. And it pretty much played out that way. I don't think Alabama is going to see better skilled players than they did against Florida. No. I just you know, I don't think Ohio State has that not across no, the board. Yeah, no. that's not a knock to Ohio State or Clemson or anybody else. No, Florida's got elite. Pitts is a problem. You got to keep scoring against those yeah, guys, and not, you absolutely you have to. And I think with Notre Dame, I thought they were a well coached team. They were fundamentally sound. They were smart. They played hard. They did it. You know, they were all that, but they didn't have the explosive playmakers to really threaten them. I mean. I'm guessing Malachi Moore could have played if needed, would be my guess. I think they oh, he dressed to... out, it looked like. Yes, that's know? what I'm saying. I think so. The fact that you take your freshman All American, at times maybe you're definitely your second best DB behind Pat, and you rest him for that game, that tells you they're not really feeling vertically challenged with, hey, the, with the wide receivers. Exactly. Every game's different, you yeah. know, and really. with the way Notre Dame plays offense, you were going to be fine with Brian Branch and they're at the star position. Notre Dame, what they did for Alabama, they challenged the middle. They ran the ball. So that's a good thing for Alabama to see where they need to work on going into Ohio State. I'll tell you this. 
you want to be Ohio. You wanted to be Alabama this past week. You didn't want to be Ohio State and Clemson. Ohio State played a great game. They, I don't know why. Dabo did everything but slap Ryan Day's mom, it seemed like. <laughs> that team, and they were a competitive team. They were a talented team. They are a talented team. And they came out and absolutely went lights out. But at the same time, Ohio State opened the whole book, showed them everything they had to do, and exposed Clemson in several ways. So Alabama, in the meantime, is running basic vanilla. We know the fans yeah. don't love basic vanilla. They want some sprinkles and all that stuff. But I'd have much, I think Alabama or Clemson or Notre, I mean, Alabama, Clemson, or Ohio State, given the, their situation, I think they'd have rather been in Alabama's situation, going through a game, keeping it simple. And let me tell you, that game was short considering every frigging commercial break was eight minutes long. I mean, yeah, that, they 10, 30 second commercials, it was insane. So that game, I, <laughs> I think that's what you want. Uh, to go through, and again, I mean, look at, you know, there's no way Justin Fields' ribs are cracked or broke or something. So that's yeah. the stuff when you play in that game with those kind of athletes, and at that pace, that four, was it 49-28 or whatever it was? Uh-huh. They, when you play at that pace, there's a lot more hits. So I think Alabama did exactly what they needed to do to get rested, to get relaxed, to get be healthy, to go into this game. Yeah, I think that... Um I think all things considered, yeah, the way Alabama was able to get through Notre Dame, with the exception, I'm sure Nick Saban, and this almost probably works to a benefit to Alabama as well, not that they'll need additional motivation to get ready for a national championship game, but there was enough stuff he didn't like in the fourth quarter, defensively, uh, penalties, things like that. It gave him plenty to to harp on going into the week to refocus and recenter guys. Uh, as you get ready for, for Ohio State. They had the one drive. I tell you, I thought the defense was really good for most of the game. And even, you know, the fans are always on the coaches. But if you look at that long touchdown drive, they dialed up a blitz. John Battle could have had it for a 15-yard sack and got stiff-armed off of him. There was another play on a run play where they did a stunt that uh, – Christian Harris missed uh, Kyron Williams in the backfield. Both of them missed him. They had – look. If you can get a guy for a four-yard loss and he turns that into a seven-yard gain, that's a big yeah. second and ten. That's exactly yeah. what happened. They missed it. They Extends had extends the drive. Yeah, they absolutely. So that would have, you know you're looking at third and fourteen as opposed to third and three. So they had the plays dialed up. That was the longest. Was that a ninety-seven-yard drive? Did Alabama not mm-hmm. have a ninety-eight-yard drive? Alabama had a uh, yes. They had a five-play ninety-seven-yard drive. In the first quarter, Notre Dame had uh, their last touchdown drive was 14 for 80. They had a 15 for 75 in the second quarter. They also had a, you know, the the red zone stop that that Alabama had there on the one drive, too, uh, I believe it was. You know, and that was key, too. I mean, Notre Dame needed to be perfect when it did get red zone opportunities. It was two of four stops over stats, right? That's what Nick Saban has said. Alabama got enough stops, especially in the red zone, and uh, was explosive enough uh, on the on the other side of the ball. Defensively, though, you know, some of these younger players uh, continue to be very impressive. Tim, I know Demarco Helms. Uh, we forget that Christian Harris is just still in his second year with the big interception there in the third quarter. Well, and Will Anderson. Good. It seems like Will Anderson's being used in more and more different types of ways. He's not just an edge guy. They're doing some different things with him. Uh, and you know, 
he had six tackles in the game. Will Anderson, all of them were solos. He did get a hand on that. I went back and it's on the ND clips on the round table that I put up, uh, really being able to zoom in on that. He did get a finger on that field goal attempt. I don't think he was credited with a block, but it it definitely appeared that he did. If you get a finger on a pass or a kick, it's usually going to, it's usually going to throw it a little bit, make it a little bit harder to, to get where it was trying to go. So it that, did. It changed it changed the rotation and sort of even it looked like the direction of that kick. I, I thought, thought I thought that. early in the game, and I know everybody's been hard on Dylan. Uh, to me, you know, still think the best Dylan's the Dylan of the future. But I thought he did a really good job of out in the flat those passes. He kept them. He could he could good job on the backs. Yeah. yeah. He and did. They, they stopped going to that. When he shut it yeah. down, they stopped going to that. And I think that was huge. I think that took away the weapon. He did. Yeah. And not only that, you saw a concentrated effort. Like the one out, the one that stood out to me is where he timed it and literally gave him a choice to get hit by me or go out of bounds. So yeah, he used he he used the boundary very effectively for leverage. You're right, and he did it multiple times. And yes, perfect way they ended up taking out of there. Out of their rotation, um, I didn't see that pass as much. They had a t- hey, Notre Dame's got a good offensive line, and they've they got do. a good running back, and Ian Book's a good quarterback. I mean, th- that was a good football team. That was a good football win. Um, considering it was, there wasn't like an asterisk by it. It wasn't Notre Dame had four turnovers or anything. The one turnover they had was just a great play by Christian Harris. The coverage, the play on the ball, everything was just a really athletic play. So um, that was that was a good win. Yeah, it was. Anytime you get a win in a college football playoff semifinal, it ought to be celebrated. There's no doubt about it. Even with all the success Alabama has had, uh, enjoy them, man. Cherish them. They're not, uh, they're not a given, regardless of how dominant Alabama has been through this incredible stretch under Nick Saban. So, Tim, we look ahead. Um, what was your level of surprise just in terms of – or was there any? I was surprised that Ohio State did to Clemson what it did. I thought Clemson would win that game. I thought Clemson would win it by the spread of six and a half or seven or more. Um, it certainly looked like it might be headed that way at 14 to seven. And even, you know, once Ohio State looked to be getting in control, the big hit from James Skalski, the Clemson linebacker to the ribs, to the midsection of Justin Fields, you wondered about his availability moving forward. First and foremost, give that guy all the props in the world because you know he was hurting. And, and I, went, I went to the ER. <laughs> I called the ambulance. I said, I've got something wrong with me. That hurt. They, yeah, uh, the next time the next time I used the restroom, uh, I think I, I passed blood, you know, from and I and I didn't even take that hit. You know, I had Ohio State winning, obviously not in that fashion. I just thought that I <clears throat> the two things that I've thought about Clemson all year is one, I don't think their wide receivers get any separation. You their know, outside guys don't for sure. Yes, yeah, they get any separation. They're not T. Higgins or Justin right. Ross. Right, that's exactly what I said all year. Especially when they've got without Ross, they've got young guys. They're big kids because that's sort of uh, Clemson's mo. They go with that six foot two, six foot four guy. They catch almost everything thrown to them. Really good uh, uh, ball skills, but they don't get separation. I mean, if you don't get separation, you're never open. And when you play decent defensive backs you're going to have a trouble. I mean, you see that all the time with even with good receivers like a Seth Williams at Auburn and a George Pickens. If they don't get separation, they're going to have to use their extreme length, their arms, and, and their great catch radius. But usually those guys are covered. Um, Jarvis Landry is a great example of LSU. That guy makes 
eight catches a game in the NFL, and I don't know if he's ever open. I just know he catches everything near him. So I was wondering about that matchup. Uh, Sean Wade, again, was exposed. I didn't think he had a good game, so they did find some success there. And also, I thought the back end of Clemson's second, their back end of their defense just wasn't the same that we're used to seeing. I mean, we're used to seeing guys back there that are going to – you know, they, you know, the, I think last year they had the A.J. Terrell kid who went first round. He started for the Falcons all year. Right. That back end looked different to me. And yeah, they, yeah, Venables, he, he likes to man up those corners, man. And he's not afraid to bring the safeties up into the box. Nolan Turner, he did miss the first half of the game Saturday night due to a targeting penalty um, in the uh, in the ACC championship game. But the, I don't know how much that mattered. Primarily, I'll start with Trey Sermon, the Oklahoma transfer, who's just been electric. He's been ultra productive for Ohio State in the run game. I I was probably more surprised, too, or as surprised that Ohio State lined up and just ran the football right at Clemson. You know what I mean? And and had success with that early, kind of got those safeties up. And then I think Venables thought, okay, my corners are good enough to man up against these Ohio State wide receivers, but – it was bombs over Bourbon Street, man, once fields started going down the field. Yeah, you know, the thing that I agree, and when you, you know, <laughs> I try not to watch or talk to my friends in games because <laughs> the emotions, the people caught yeah. up the moment on Twitter or Facebook or the roundtable, the message board, or my damn text, it drives <laughs> me crazy. That they think that anybody Alabama or any game that the other team's not supposed to make plays. You know, I've got a good friend that he always says they got scholarships too. So no matter who you're yeah. playing, you're playing guys with talent. Now you might be playing Ole Miss and they they have less five stars, but they've got five stars on the team. You know, that's sort of the point. So when uh, Clemson was up seven nothing, it was over. They were going to name Alabama. It was over. It was over. Vegas. Clemson minus 27 against Bama. That line was coming out. We were jumping on it. And, uh, you know, they just, you know, they, you know, they were worried to death about Trevor Lawrence. He's going to run for a million yards. And then Ohio State, I mean, and Clemson did look great. Their first two scripted drives looked great. And Ohio State fought. Let me tell you, Ohio State was pissed. I don't care. You could, other people can downplay it. You can't say all of that. Ohio State's got a great coach, and they are a great traditional program, and they have great talent. They recruit well. All those players' names we know. You know, that's what tells you. They go to Ohio State, but we still know them, even though we're in the South. So they're a tremendous program. You say all that stuff about a team. You say all that stuff. You vote them 11th. Um, It's motivation, and it didn't take much for Ryan Day to get these guys motivated. The thing that was really odd it's like Charles Dickens' Tale of Two Cities. When you watch Northwestern and then you watch Clemson game, you will not think those are the same Ohio State team. Now, I watched Northwestern. Justin Fields looked bad. <clears throat> they were lucky to actually win that game. If Northwestern had any semblance of an offense, I feel like they'd have won it. But they put all that together and um, all that talent, all that motivation. I mean, it was a thrashing. It was a it was a hard to watch almost. Like, wow, I can't believe this. And Putting up 49 points in a, in a playoff game. I mean, you know, and how many did LSU score last year? Um, I don't think it was that much. They they won the game pretty handily. It, it, I don't think they put a, you know, a 45-plus on Clemson, as I recall it. But it was. So you're looking at back-to-back 91 points given up in a college football playoffs 
for Clemson, which you're not really used to. So I think they'll probably be looking to to figure some things out there. But, you know, I thought it was just a great game. And you know, you know, you got that. Alabama plays so many 7 o'clock games. You're Alabama. You win a game. You get to sit back and watch. You get to see Justin Fields, who was a five-star quarterback, number two in the country. Trevor Lawrence in the same class was number one at five-star quarterback in the same country, both from the state of Georgia. You get to see Trey Sermon, Travis Etna. You get to see uh, all these guys that are just fantastic. It was just a fun game to watch, and it happened. The ebb and flow, I mean, you really expected Clemson to run out from them. And then Ohio State, you know, again, that motivation, that pride. Justin Fields, you know, taking that hit, that's another thing that will rally your guys around you. You know, you take yeah. a hit like that, and, man, what? I'm, again, I mean, literally submarined, head down, crown of the helmet, you know, almost like a torpedo straight into his rib cage. Um, and for him to get back up, you know, I'm a Saints fan. I saw Drew Brees end up missing several games this year with bruised and cracked ribs. It wouldn't surprise me at all. I think Drew had broken ribs. If he's def- He definitely has to have some cracked ribs. That was a that was a high-impact collision. So Yeah, it'll be interesting in the coming days and probably something we won't even find out till game time how that hit, if it does at all, impacts the versatility of Justin Fields. And when I say that, obviously I'm talking about potential for design quarterback runs, his maybe willingness to run in certain situations. Uh, but give the guy all the credit in the world. He was pretty much forced to stand in there as a pocket passer after that hit. And yeah, just, I mean, uh, just delivered big, big time. You know, we're used to seeing like sports guys, and this happened at Little League. It happens at high school. When you like, nothing was worse. And it happened to me when I played basketball when I was younger. If you roll that ankle and you let out that loud yelp scream like it's broke, and then you lay down and you realize, oh crap, I just rolled it. I'm okay. You can't yeah. really just hop up without people thinking you're an idiot. So you got to milk it a little back. So <laughs> we see that a lot. Yeah. That a lot. Justin Fields face. You don't. Yeah. Ask milking it that kid was in extreme pain it hurt he was over on the bike he looked like me on that peloton bike <laughs> he's we were making the same grimacing we're about me and me and justin are in the same pain on that bike he was hurt though so definitely big props to him big props to ohio state really good football team um i'm excited about this game i think Alabama would have been fun but we've seen that so many times I'm going to enjoy not having to deal with the sidebars, you know, the distractions of stupid quotes and <clears throat> the Dabo Alabama angle and all that. I like a little this. old Clemson, a little old Clemson, you know? Yeah. Yeah. This is sort of fresh. I mean, you got two programs, you know, Ryan Day to me seems very similar to Nick Saban. You got two programs that aren't going to talk a lot. They're going to walk it through. There's going to be a lot of respect. There's going to be a ton of athletes. And again, you know, I noted this on the round table, the recruiting class, you got, Ohio State's recruiting class was so good in March that it didn't look, including me, I wasn't sure anybody could catch it. And Alabama caught it. <clears throat> and Ohio State's class is great. Alabama's is, is great as well. So we could be seeing this down the road. This could be a matchup we see, you know, a couple of times in the next five years. So I'm looking forward to it. And we're looking forward to the next segment here on uh, this edition of the Bama Online Podcast. We'll get into some Alabama men's basketball. We'll get into maybe some NFL talk as well. How about Derrick Henry, 2,000-yard rusher for the former Alabama Heisman Trophy winner? We'll do all that more when the Bama Online Podcast returns right after this. 
Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, Tim, we're back with more of the Bama Online podcast on this Monday, January the 4th, 2021. I just like saying that year. I like saying 2021, so I'll probably do it with regularity here moving forward. But uh, let's get into a little bit of NFL talk because there are connections, as you pointed out earlier, we talked about earlier, uh, the coaching carousel. Uh, This is typically a Black Monday. We've already seen Doug Marone of my Jacksonville Jaguars let go. What about Urban Meyer down in Jacksonville, hey, Tim? Up. Seems to be a yeah. lot of a lot of talk about that. We gotta give a golf clap at least for Jacksonville Jaguars, who lost fifteen straight games. Exactly. Hey, we yeah. know how to close, Tim. We I know see, how to close. The Jets see, don't. That's you. That's how you finish a game. <laughs> that's how you finish a season. Mike Glennon behind center is how you do it. That's, that's how it's done. Exactly how you do it. So you know. Uh, I, to me, if I'm a Jaguar fan, and you're an actual Jaguar fan, but I'll give you my perspective from the outside. Okay. All right. <clears throat> I would be excited for Urban Meyer. I'd be excited yeah. for Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence. I would I would want to see that. Mm. Now, I'm an outsider, so might be a little bit different. I don't. Here's my thing, Tim. I don't trust Urban Meyer's intentions. It's almost got to the point at this point in his career, at his age, it's almost like uh, bucket list stuff, like ballparks. You know how I like to go to different ballparks. You like to go to different ballparks. You like to visit different places, go on vacations, see different things. It almost has that feel, like a notch in the belt, you know. And look, I understand. I'm sure the football coach side of him looks at that situation. You're looking at Trevor Lawrence coming in there, and that's that's just the start of a draft bounty that this organization has to work with. They're in a they're cap wise draft wise they are in a one perfect position my concern with urban meyer given his history is that we get maybe two and a half seasons into this and what if the draft doesn't go according to plan what if this team isn't trending uh in a way that you would like what what's urban's interest level going to be like after let's say 40 games as a head coach i i just don't know if it's more about the idea of being an NFL head coach at this point in his life, or this is something I've wanted, this is a box I wanted to check. Uh, I'm going to check it now. It, you know, it could be built in a way, you know, that similar to like Jimmy Johnson, right. With the Dallas Cowboys, you know, it was sort of what he walked into there, uh, given the draft set up and, and things like that. And the, and the quarterback, I mean, that Trevor Lawrence could be Jacksonville's Troy Aikman. All right. And then build around that. But um, I, I I just have trust issues with Urban Meyer. Yeah, I agree. I, Urban's not a guy I trust with my wallet. You know what I mean? <laughs> He's not a guy I want to leave the room with my wife in it. You know, I, I think Urban, uh, Urban can, you know, especially the way he left Florida, the way he left Ohio State. So I see that. I think probably as a non-Jaguar fan, that's probably why I want to see it. <laughs> I also think the NFL is a little bit more structured. I think it would depend how much power they give him. You know, 
Um, you don't want him running around loose and crazy. I mean, you know, Bill O'Brien's at Alabama's campus, and he had sort of <clears throat> he had so much say so with the Texans, and they did some things. I guess you'll see down the road how it paid off, but they did a lot of they made a lot of movement and made a lot of trades. Like they ended up with the number they traded the you know obviously their their pick for Tunzel, and they lost they would have had the number three overall pick in the draft this year. Instead, it's going to go to the Dolphins. So I think you need that balance, and I don't think you can really let a coach go in there and just have complete uh, overall. But being, yeah. I, I like. I think Urban Meyer is such a story. I'd like to see it. I've always wondered why he didn't come back to college because I really, at one point, thought he was more like Nick Saban than mm-hmm. anybody else. I don't feel that anymore. I mean, I think Saban's about as unique as a as a as a unicorn, to be honest with you. At the end of the day, because I thought he was a builder, and uh, you know, and Saban was that way. Built, moved, built, moved. You know, built came here, went to the NFL, didn't like it, came to Alabama and stayed. So. I can see your point, but there's a lot of heads rolling in that daggone. Uh, oh yeah, that I mean, it's, Eagles game. Now here's the here's what's funny. They, that was that was brutal. They Sunday night, that fourth they quarter. Seven for twenty. Granted, it's not like he's lighting it up. Uh, I don't but know you weren't going to Wentz. You weren't going to Carson Wentz in the fourth quarter, right? I mean, come on. My thing is, teams have been tanking this whole year. Why are they surprised the Eagles tank to get the fifth pick instead of the ninth pick? No, I, I'm not. And you know I mean, you know, and also I don't think it comes down, you know, to they wanted the Washington in ahead of the Giants. I and I don't know Peterson from Adams uh, House Cat, but I think if they'd have been playing the Saints or the Cowboys or uh, not the Cowboys, the Seahawks, I think they'd have probably did the same thing. I think they wanted to compete for a while. Didn't get a look. I mean, they do. Obviously, they don't. They don't know their quarterback room next year. They don't know their quarterback situation. Carson Wentz has asked for a trade. They got Jalen Hurts. Is Jalen the guy? If Jalen's the guy, you got to build around him. You know, with that fifth pick, they're going to have a chance to take. Now they got to. They got to deplete. This is going to be interesting with the draft. They have needs in the secondary. Five's a really good spot for Pat Sertain, in my opinion. So do you go there and try to get a wide receiver down the board? Because at five, you're probably going to get a pretty elite wide receiver. The one you, yeah. you're going to have one's going to be a quarterback, two's going to be a quarterback, and four with the Falcons will be a quarterback. Three's probably going to be an offensive lineman or you know a big time defensive guy for the Dolphins. So five, they can get a Jamar Chase, you know a Smitty. They'll have their choice of the top wide receiver in this class. I think, though, if you're going with Jalen, it's even more than personnel. It's philosophy on offense. You're not going to stick with, in my opinion, the very same offense that you instilled, installed for Carson Wentz, especially especially post-knee injury Carson Wentz, right? Um, similar to like Baltimore with Lamar Jackson, but maybe not even to that extent. You're going to have to change the way you play offense, with if you're invested into Jalen, that was the best thing Baltimore did, man. When they made the decision that we're going with Lamar Jackson, they didn't try to keep running the the Joe Flacco system with that, Lamar Jackson. That'd have been ridiculous. That'd yeah. be him, Brad Pitt having the same game at a bar. So I, for the Eagles, if that is the approach you take, total opposite between those two. And you're right with Wentz. Now Wentz is an athletic guy. But Jalen, to me, is actually a better, more accurate passer. As many passes as Winstone in the NFL, mm-hmm. uh, Jalen's got very limited. Remember, they didn't even use him most of the first part of the year. Yeah. And he wasn't you know, 
it, he's really, really cutting his teeth, teeth in the NFL here at the end. Um, and not surprising, those guys seem to rally around him. But your, my question is, if you put, if you drafted Jalen Hurts in the second round of the draft and you already are starting him and don't think he's your guy, because they could take a quarterback at five. They, yeah. could, they could take – I don't know who it would be. Dolphins could take another quarterback at three hey, with Tua down there. I'm a, look, I love Tua. I think Tua is going to be good. I think – I would draft a quarterback every year in the first round until I got my quarterback. That's a At fact. three this year. Every take Zach year Wilson. I would draft him. And I said this last year. I think that the Washington Redskins should – and Chase Young's a monster. He's 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 makes me think of Derek Thomas and Lawrence Taylor off the edge. That kid's just completely a monster. And their defensive line's great. But I said it last year. If they don't think Haskins is their guy and they like Tua – draft him and try to move Haskins. That's exactly what the Cardinals did. And, uh, you know, you can't just sit there and force that issue. you got to have a good quarterback in the National Football League. So you take them, take them till you get them or you buy them. I mean, the Saints are going to go through this <laughs> next year, you know. Right. You know, and right. I'm sure Mac Jones, and I've changed my tune on Mac so much. I've always thought Mac was a good quarterback solid quarterback his NFL stock to me has went up I still don't think he's a top 10 pick where I see him in these mock drafts but if the Saints were to take him late in the first or move up in the second to get him he might be a fit for the New Orleans Saints and what they want to do considering I mean obviously Drew Brees is a is a legend but Mac athletically is kind of similar to him it's not like Drew ran a lot you know what I mean right a lot of that's just the scheme a lot of the system so Oh, we do not need to forget that basketball win. It happened at a really odd time, but um, yeah, it was a it was a very high traffic sort of uh, uh, yeah start. weekend and and stretch there, and and with everything going on uh, uh, in college football, certainly with the University of Alabama, hell of a performance up in Knoxville, Tim, to go on the road and beat a top ten team, the type of win Nate Oates really needed in year two of his tenure, and uh, a team that you know. Against all odds, given where they were at sort of going into conference play, here they are with Florida coming to town on Tuesday night at 2-0 and in the league, Tim. Yeah, I mean, that you know, that, you know, that's almost Alabama's luck with basketball. If they had lost that game, it would have been on a Tuesday and everyone would have been home because of a snowstorm and bad weather. And they would have, you know, everybody would have been griping. But Alabama wins that game. And let me tell you, Tennessee is a heck of a basketball team. They are good. I've watched them all year. I mean, I I was uh, it was an impressive win for me. That's a good team. They defended really well. They shot the three, hit fifty percent. Um, not too many turnovers gets a good team. I mean, Herb did keep challenging uh, that. What's that kid's name that kept blocking Herb? <laughs> the, oh, uh, Eve's Pons. Yeah, yeah, I was like Herb. Enough. <laughs> you know, Pons kept, does that to everybody, but no, yeah, kept like here we go. Oh, Herb, Herb's going to the ten. You know oh. that. No, it's, I admired it. Don't try to dunk on everybody. It was like you know? up trying to hit that over the lake, you know. I was like, all right, we're not getting over. But good win. Good job by Nate Oates. I mean, that's a tough game. They really needed it. They've got a quite the stretch coming up here with, with uh, I think it's Florida, Kentucky, Auburn. Does that sound right in some order? So yeah. Got a nice little run. But I thought Petty played really well. Quinterly's really good. He got a, You know what Quinterly does? He's got that city ball in him. Like, you know, Alabama had that long run. I think they cut it to five or six or whatever. And he just took it length of the floor for a layup. He's got that get to the bucket, get to the cup ability that you kind of need. Like when you need a basket, you got to have a basket. 
that's a much more high percentage shot than you know shooting a three or or running down the clock and getting a late shot. He just got that 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 playground feel to him sometimes, which isn't surprising considering where he's from. But he had a couple of big baskets. Not his best shooting night, but he had a couple of really big baskets. And I thought Herb was really good. You know, I thought he was good and and, and competitive and, and challenged those guys. Yeah, Herb is in some ways kind of like the Landon Dickerson. And I know you hear that and you think that they're, they're, I'm talking about more in terms of mindset and edge dependability that, you know, night in and night out, Herb's going to bring it. Herb can go four for 13, like he did from the field at Tennessee, but he's still going to give you 11 points, eight rebounds and the ability to defend pretty much one through five. That was, that was important too. Um, I actually thought Alabama got a couple of weird calls late in that game, to be honest with you. The, uh, Never know in the SEC. Yeah, I mean it was it was just like some you know some not you know some some bad calls, but really big win for Alabama. I think they needed it. I mean, looking at decent shot, they need to come up with a win or two of these next three and carry it in there. But seven and three, pretty tough schedule. You could we've seen the best of Alabama. I think with Tennessee, I think it's pretty much close to the best against a really good team. And we've seen Alabama not you know play their worst in my opinion. So we've sort of got a gauge what the, the high point, the ceiling of the basement is for this team. Yeah, it's going to be you know, very interesting. Again, Tuesday night with Florida at Coleman Coliseum. Uh, you know, a, a Florida team playing shorthanded. Uh, we're very thankful that Keontae Johnson, the preseason SEC Player of the Year, is uh, healthy following that uh, very, very scary sequence in Tallahassee. Uh, last month in that game against Florida State where he collapsed on the floor and um, is is out for the foreseeable future. But uh, Mike White's got the Gators playing at a pretty high level themselves. So more on the line uh, than we even anticipated, I think, uh, early in the season when the Gators and Crimson Tide get together on Tuesday night. What about the Heisman as we get out of here? Got to get your thoughts on that because that's also – you talk about a lot of traffic involving Alabama on Tuesday evening – uh, that's certainly going to highlight the night with Devontae Smith, Mac Jones. Uh, you've got Trevor Lawrence in that mix. Um, you know, Justin Fields has been in that mix. We know Najee Harris has finished uh, fifth I'm in the pissed. voting. I'm pissed Najee's not in. I mean, it was we, we're doing this by Zoom. It's virtual. Najee Harris. I mean, dude, I mean, I, I made a post about this earlier. Najee in most years could have easily been a Heisman leading Heisman candidate with the, I mean, his, I mean, his jump, i tell you this. I think if the voting was today, it wouldn't shock me if it went one, two, three Alabama players because Lawrence struggled, obviously Fields though could have made his push in there. Although the rest of his season didn't justify that, but, but Najee jumping a guy running an additional 60 yards. Najee's had probably more Heisman moments than anybody on this team. Right. I mean, he's well, had, uh, you know, and Najee, Najee sort of played like it against Notre Dame. You got the sense a little bit. And that's yeah, not a bad I, thing for Alabama. No, I, I mean, think, I think I think the, the, he should have been there. I don't, you know, it's so hard. I mean, if you if you wanted to argue Smitty with me, I couldn't I couldn't not argue. If you wanted to argue Mac with me, who I think is having the best quarterback year in Alabama history, uh, statistically, I couldn't argue. First him. first four thousand yard passer. Yes, and, and if you want to argue, try to argue Najee, with that. I don't have a good argument against Najee. My vote has been for a while, Smitty. Um, yeah, I just love Smitty. I think Smitty's the best player in the country, the most dynamic player in the country. But in most years, Mac Jones or Najee 
would be up there too. A very unique year. I mean, the, the odds are saying Smitty's a pretty good chance to win it. Uh, second odds were Mac, and then you got Trevor Lawrence and Trask. I mean, if you know, I still like I said, it was a virtual deal. I think you could have had Najee in there. Him and Trask probably had about as much of a chance to win it as anybody else. And I, I, I saw a lot of people say this that had they waited till after the SEC championship game, because you know a lot of these guys send their vote in to make sure they don't forget. If they'd waited till after the SEC championship game, Najee. You have to think Najee's performance against Florida and Notre Dame. Again, if everybody had to vote today, if every voter had to hop on their computer and vote today, I think Najee gets a lot more votes in that one, two, three than he would have previously. Because he, oh, he was yeah. brilliant. You know, he was. You know, he you was. You could brilliant. say the same thing about Fields too, though, right? Yeah. I mean, it yeah, was just Fields one game, but you talk about a lasting impression. No, it was a great game, but he has that north northwestern. Uh, he does. Yeah, yeah that's too too much Northwestern on him. Yeah, and that's know? the thing yeah. about three Alabama guys that I'd like to stress is like, did any of them have a bad game? Did any of them have like an off day? Did did you know? I know there was a, the game where uh, Mac didn't throw a touchdown, but Najee had five rushing touchdowns or something. I think Mac had a rushing touchdown in that game too. So was there really a game where one of them didn't produce at a high level? I couldn't think of one. No. No, it was. It's kind of how you do what they've done. You don't have a lot of off days by a lot of a lot of people. Certainly not the people that you uh, you feature prominently on the offensive side of the ball. Well, Tim, uh, anything else you think we're good? Uh, no, a lot happening. Things great. All right, man. Have a good week ahead of us, and it's going to be fun with a lot of action. Yeah, we're going to have it all covered for you there at BamaOnline.com. Certainly, hang out with us on the premium message board of choice for Alabama fans everywhere. That of course being the round table there at BamaOnline.com. And again, whether it's coaching news, whether it's preparation for the college football playoff national championship game next Monday night down in South Florida at hard rock stadium, we'll have it all covered for you there at B O L for Travis Schreier. For Tim Watts, excuse me for Tim Watts, Travis Schreier. Thanking you once again for joining us here on the pod. See you around the block, Tim. We'll do it again soon. 2021, we're glad to meet you. I can't say it enough. 2020, 2020 fun. We've been waiting on you. 2020 fun, we're going to call yeah. it. It's going to be so great. Absolutely. All right. Talk have a great, week. Have a great rest of your Monday, everybody. We'll catch up with you again real soon. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.